0: Knowledge is the fuel that powers intelligent buying and selling. So get a quick recharge with me, Ron Edwards, Master Sommelier and Director of Wine Education for Winebow, Fine Wine, and Spirits. Welcome to WineSmart, Destination Willamette Chardonnay, a three-part special edition. The Willamette Valley has been on a journey since the 1970s to reach a defined style that expresses the grape within the context of the region. The panel joining me to discuss the journey and the destination is filled by... David Adelsheim, founder of Adelsheim Vineyard. Adam Campbell, winemaker and owner of Elk Cove Vineyards. Meredith Magot, winemaker at Union Wine Company. Brent Stone, COO and winemaker of King Estate. Nate Klosterman, winemaker of Argyle Winery. And Elizabeth Clark, director of education and experience at Adelsheim Vineyard. This is part one, where we explore soil and climate factors of Willamette in relation to Chardonnay. Well Welcome everyone. This is absolutely going to be a fantastic conversation. I'm so very excited about it. And I think that if we're going to deal with Willamette Valley for any reasons, we have to start with the ground and what the soils and the vineyards are made up of and just give us an overview of what we can expect there. And so, uh, Elizabeth, why don't we start with you with some commentary on uh, Willamette Valley soil types.
1: Absolutely. Well, there are a few different soil types that we are planting in throughout the Willamette Valley from the tip, tip top north side, uh, starting in Portland all the way down to Eugene. Uh, but the three most common that, that we utilize in the northern half of the Willamette Valley happen to be a marine sediment soil base, which is one of the older soil types in the area, uh, a volcanic base, as well as a glacial silt. And we're really finding that these uh The Chardonnays that are being grown and produced from these soil types all have their own unique properties and unique characteristics. While we don't have scientific data to back this up quite yet, we are collecting a lot of data to find out exactly what characteristics are similar from one vineyard and one uh, producer to the next. That's something that I think that all of us here on this podcast are very excited to dive into a little further. And, you know, Nate, um, I'm sure you have a lot more experience with with some specific soil types that you work with. So how do those really show up for you?
2: Yeah, we, um, in my experience here at Argyle, we have vineyards in the Dundee Hills and the Eolamity Hills. And so the Dundee Hills um, are known for their deep jewelry soils. And the Eola Amity Hills, a um, little bit more, also volcanic, but a bit more variable. There is some jory down there, but also a lot of the, um, the kaya and, and some of those other rockier, um, shallower uh, volcanic soils. And so, uh, for me, in my experience, I find the like the Dundee Hills that really deep jory soil really lends itself to elegance and silkiness and purity in, in our Chardonnays. Uh, in comparison, I find the the Chardonnays in the Yolamity Hills and the, and the shallower volcanics the Kaya type soils, they tend to have a bit more tension and energy and maybe a bit more kind of backbone and structure. Um, and, you know, there's other factors involved that with that as well, as we're going to get into later, you know, wins and, and those types of things. But um, for me, that's the current difference between the two in my experience.
0: Absolutely. So let, let me jump in here for a second for the uninitiated, because jargon is the barrier to entry to everything, right? Uh, and I was making a comment to my children the other day that my daughter came home from college with 900 abbreviations applicable only to her college and she uses them all the time. And I'm like, you just don't want us to understand what's going on, right? This is a control trip. Uh, so we don't want people to feel that way about the names of the soils in Willamette. And so if you could just, when you say Jory soil, uh, just enough for somebody to understand why that's different than I think you said Nakaya. I've always said N- N- Nakia. So now I have a I have a correction to make in my life.
2: Yeah. So, um, in regards to those two, Jory is uh is a volcanic soil. Um it tends to be it's much deeper, it's it's a f- really fine-grained volcanic soil that's been weathered uh over the years, and um it's just I think of it as it's broken down longer, and so it's deeper, it's finer, it has great water holding uh capacity. Um compared to I think of uh Nikaya as basically like a kind of a Baby, uh, baby jory, where it hasn't been broken down uh, as long, so it still has a lot more of that uh, rock uh, that is waiting for millions more years to break down and become jory, maybe in the long, in the longer term.
0: Okay, so do I nascently understand this correctly they're both basically basalt, and now you're just talking about how weathered they are? Yeah. Okay, great. And I want to come back to marine sediment that, that Elizabeth brought up, because most wine geeks, if you say marine sediment to them, the first thing they're going to think of is limestone. And I don't think that's what you're talking about.
1: No. So in the Willamette Valley, marine sediment soil is is arguably one of the oldest soil types here. It's back when Oregon was underwater and Idaho was beachfront property. Uh, and over the course of the millions of years, we started to see the continental uplift of Oregon until poof we could finally start growing grapes in this beautiful soil the soil is very beige um and it's more of a a sandstone um and a a, almost a clay in certain pockets we find it on some of our marine sediment soiled sites here in the shehala mountains one of the more northern nested viticultural areas and because there's um this, this rich minerality, we're starting to see that kind of translate in some of our Chardonnays grown on this soil type.
0: That is a great introduction to soils, and I think it would be fun for people to start looking up other places in the world that have basalt-style soils, sandstone-style soils. You know, like, for instance, Tasmania up on the northern half has a lot of basalt. Um, Western Australia has sandstone. Um, South Africa is just one giant sandstone deposit except for parl and so there's a lot of places in the world that make great wines that aren't based on limestone or a specific more readily known rock and i think that's fabulous there are as uh, nate um, brought up very clearly other influences that we have to take into consideration in winemaking yes the vines grow in the earth but they have a, a tremendous amount of other input coming to them and so brent let's talk about um this is Brent Stone, and let's talk about the influences above ground that are obvious for Willamette Valley, um, starting perhaps with the Van Duzer corridor.
3: Yeah, I can go over kind of just generally some of the influences um some of the major influences in viticulture as they pertain to Chardonnay and then and bring in the the Van Duzer as part of that so okay um. You know, I guess, uh, you know, we kind of start with bud break. Um, as we look at our site, you know, it, it generally starts a little bit earlier with, with Chardonnay, so it makes it um, somewhat more susceptible to frost damage in certain sites. And that is uh, certainly the case with our vineyard here in the in the South Valley. Uh, we have a lot of frost-prone sites, so we have to be really uh, careful of where we plant. Um, you, you know, from there, I think that the next consideration for us is, uh, is leaf pulling. Um, you know, with, with Chardonnay, it's, um, uh, necessary for good airflow, uh, at, at the same time, you're, you're generally looking for, for less light and exposure than you would be with, uh, with say Pinot Noir. Uh, so there's a balance there, you know, Chardonnay can be, uh, susceptible to sunburn. And so again, there's, there's, um, there's a balance when it comes to some of these practices, uh, disease pressure goes hand in hand with that, you know, Chardonnay can be prone to things like powdery mildew. So canopy management is key, um, uh, aspect. Uh, you know, our vineyard here, um, we're primarily planted, uh, Southeast, a- uh, aspect, uh, the goal there being, you know, um, getting more sun in the early, uh, hours and staying more shaded in the afternoon. Um, careful consideration with Chardonnay, white grapes in general. Um, and, and then things like harvest dates, you know, generally picking earlier, uh, to prevent the wines from getting, uh, overly ripe and, and flabby. So, uh, th- those are some of the things that we, we kind of look at when we're, um, considering Chardonnay. And obviously there's, there's a ton of nuance to each one of those things. Uh, you mentioned the Van Duzer corridor, uh, the influence there. So we are far South of there, but, uh, you know, the, when, when people talk about the influence of the, the Van Duzer corridor, generally, uh, what they're referring to is this, this kind of gap in the coast range. Um, and it leads to this, um, induction effect. So you're, you're kind of sucking cool air into the Valley from the Pacific ocean. A lot of that influence, um, really kind of helps with um, uh, maintaining acidity, it can slow the ripening process. You know, I think a lot of those vineyards generally pick probably um, a a week later than than sites, uh, than some other sites up there. You know, it can help with things like disease pressure. So you you get some of these winds, um, which will help the grapes dry a little quicker after rain events. So uh, certainly a a noticeable influence uh, from the Van corridor.
0: Give me a comparison for for real world, I have Van Duzer Corridor effect. The wind comes directly on me and my maximum high that day is more like this and I don't have the effect. I'm around the corner where it really doesn't touch me further north or what have you. You, you mentioned earlier picking dates away from the Van Duzer Corridor. Um, is that, talk about the like daily highs and lows expectations with and without the the effect because my perception of the area and maybe it's wrong and you can correct me is that this is a really a major factor in um season length and uh, maximum daily temperatures
3: yeah and for us you know and, and others on the panel might have more experience um you know we certainly source up and down the valley we do source in the van Duzer corridor we generally come in about a week behind uh in that site relative to our Shehalem sites or certainly the the south valley um, so I'd say the effect is real, you know, I think, uh, a, a lot of folks say you can set a timer to the, to those afternoon winds, um, and the effect that they have, um, I think the, um, uh, the impact on ripening and the slow ripening and flavor development, certainly the, um, the retention of acidity
0: is, is noticeable in the grapes. That's a super positive for Chardonnay, right?
3: I think so. I think particularly for the Salis Chardonnay that um, that we're working towards here in the valley, I think it's uh, very much a positive thing.
0: Any other um, like specific nature of the AVAs? We see the names on the maps. We see them on bottles. Um, I've always found that no matter what region of the world you're talking about and how much you've read about it, you don't really get it till you stand there and experience it a little bit. So maybe you could try to transfer some of that experience of, what, what's different? Or maybe we need to go to each person. Like I'm going to speak to Chehala Mountain, but we're really in oil, but we're really in Aola Amity. So I want to talk about that. And that's fine with me too. And, and David, I did see your hand go up. So I'll, I'll, I'll get you in next.
3: Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the folks on the panel, I hate to speak to their, to their specific impression of the ABAs that they work in, obviously, because we, we are uh, far south of a lot of these, but, uh, but we do source up and down. We source basically three of the sub AVAs in the valley. That's the Chehalem Mountains, Van Duzer Corridor, and then the greater Willamette Valley in the form of our own estate down in the south. Uh-huh. So uh, to generalize, you know, I'd say, you know, the, the Chehalem being known for this kind of great diversity of, of soil and elevation and generally a lot of uh, complexity to the wines. Uh, for us, the Chardonnay we source from Chehalem, you know, we get a lot of floral aromas, this kind of nice Asian pear component. Uh, as you get into the Van Duzer Corridor, again, known for these kind of afternoon winds, this kind of delayed ripening impact, uh, higher acidity. You know, for us, we, ha- we get Chardonnays with like, you know, vibrant acidity, but also, you know, kind of flavors more in the citrus realm. And then as you get down to our own estate here at King Estate, we... um we're the highest elevation site in our portfolio, so it's kind of counterintuitive. We kind of start north and, and, and pick our way home. We pick our way to the South Valley. We're only, only a few miles uh, inside the Willamette Valley. So um, our Chardonnay comes on last here. Um, we're about 1,100 feet. So generally, um, considerably behind other sites and um, somewhat maybe more austere. Uh, so this, again, kind of high acidity, but maybe more floral and subdued um, aromas. So. It's a general take on ABA and you could probably spend a considerable amount of time diving into each one of those, but uh, so, like I said, it's probably appropriate for s- some of these other folks here to, to talk about their own ABAs.
0: Let's go to David Adelsheim about his impressions of like how to describe the differences in AVA's, and you can pick the one you want
4: to talk about. The Willamette Valley is actually huge. Uh, it's 200 miles north to south uh, from the Columbia River down to King State, and it's and it's up to hundred miles wide. Most of the most of the grapes are planted in the in the north between Portland and Salem. Their King Estate has actually ensured that there are more grapes planted in the South now than there used to be. But having said that, most of these AVAs are just outside of Portland or between Portland and Salem. The Van Duser Quarter is a notch in the coast range that basically allows winds to start coming in late in the afternoon as the hot air rises out of the valley, cold air is sucked in from the ocean. People can argue about whether the vineyards in the Van Duzer Corridor AVA or the Olamity Hills AVA get hit harder. But there is a good chance that in both of those AVA's, there is an amazing decrease in temperature between about three o'clock in the afternoon and five o'clock in the afternoon. That together with the winds, I think most people that use grapes from those two areas in particular, have to work with the issue of increased tannins, thicker skins, darker flavors, all of these things that are part of the grapes that become part of the winemaking so that's to van duja quarter the rest of us in the north and certainly anybody to the south like brent at his vineyards or even from south of salem they don't deal with those winds
0: yeah and that's kind of what i wanted to 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 tease out there is that there are specific places that are drastically affected by those winds and then others who who are not and so there are natural differences if, if this is not a familiar concept to you in the audience, but you are familiar with the way Los Carneros works in California with San Pablo Bay, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about land and sea breeze and in Carneros at four o'clock in the afternoon, you want to put on pants and put your coat on because it went from 90 degrees to 70 in about five minutes. It's shockingly fast. And um that's right on the bay. And there's a few miles for Bandusa Quarter to do its work, but it's the same kind of thing. So even if your vineyard in Aola Amity reaches the same high temperature for the day as the next AVA over, it won't stay there very long. And so my, one of the questions about it is, okay, so say you're in Chehala Mountains and your, your daily high is the same as Aola. How long does it last? You know, there's a difference in high temperature length of time when you don't have the wind affecting you i guess is what i'm trying to point at to a certain degree anybody want to jump on that
4: i would i would just add that the OAMity hills is actually quite warm and is warm for a lot of the day but at the end of the day like you're saying the temperature drops off radically and that's something that those of us in Shalem mountains or dundee hills or carlton don't deal with. So our temperatures more gradually cool off at the end of the day, and the old amity just drops off.